Welcome back to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Matthew Henderson. Matt is a guitarist and vocalist in the Phoenix area, and his current project is JTM3 along with Jay Allen and Tony King. And the first time I saw Matt perform was in a band called Easton Ash in which he played lead guitar. Although Matt and I met Ethan about the same year and have known him just as long, our paths never crossed when I was living in Phoenix, although I did know of him peripherally. So it was interesting to talk to him, and this is actually the first conversation we've ever had. But uh, it was nice talking to him to see through his eyes, performing with Ethan and being his friend. I am a fan of his current project, and I used to love watching him play with Easton Ash, and I had a great time talking with him about Ethan. So here's my conversation with Matt Henderson. I hope you enjoy it. Matthew. How are we doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing great. Good to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, you know, one of the cool things about this is I get to talk to some of you guys that I didn't get to know very well and uh, get to know you a little bit better. And that's interesting for me because I'm enjoying seeing Ethan through other people's eyes, you know. And yeah, so since we've been hanging in the same circles, um, that means a new crop of fresh stories for me to listen to and thoughts and stuff. So I, I do appreciate you being here. So before we get into Ethan, yeah. I kind of just wanted to, you know, since this is one of the first times that you and I are talking, uh, just kind of ask you a couple questions about yourself. So are you originally from Phoenix? I'm not. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, um, went to college out there and then right after college moved to Phoenix to play music basically so I moved to Phoenix in 03. 03 okay yeah I moved there in 2001 so you were just a couple years behind me and same thing I went out there to teach and try to do the music thing I heard music had well at the time uh Gin Blossoms had just completely blown up and in El Paso and I really dug them and I would read you know, about the Tempe music scene. So I had it set in my mind that I was going to get out there and, you know, do Jim Blossom's 2.0 or whatever, but yeah. And then, so nice. you, so you played in Easton Ash, didn't you? I did. And that, that's essentially why I moved to, to Arizona. I had met Brian Sims and Jeff Joas, uh, you know, singer, drummer. Um, they were in Baltimore where I grew up and I had just kind of finished college and they were touring with some other guys and, I met them through a family friend and they were like, hey, we're starting to do band. You should move to Arizona. Uh, we already have a house set up. You can just move right in with us. And Ryan and I actually wrote a song in Baltimore one night in my parents' basement. And um, after that, he's like, yeah, you got, you got to move to Arizona. So, yeah. Cool, man. You know, I, uh, Randy and I used to play at uh, Dos Gringos there over by ASU. Um, gosh, my brain is just turning them up. When you move away from a place, the names of the places just kind of, because they called that Dos Gringos. It had a certain name that, that's escaping me right now. But I remember seeing you guys play there one time, like maybe 2004-ish, 2005. Yeah. 
And I remember thinking, what was that place called? It was like the the tent uh, or the camp or the RV park. It was like, it was something like that. I know exactly Taylor what you're park. talking about. Yeah. Trailer park. Trailer park. That's what yeah. it was. Yes. The trailer park goes. So yeah. Springo's trailer park. Yeah. Yep. Yep, that's what it was. Yeah. When you said the name park, it, uh, it's struck it up in my head. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, Randy and I, so we had like a regular thing there. So we would go see bands that would play on off nights that we weren't. And I caught you guys a couple of times and man, you just were so good and kill. I was just killer. You guys are such a good band. And I remember being very impressed. And I remember talking to Ethan about you guys and he would tell me about you and Ryan. And um, I don't know, man, for some reason, we just kind of missed each other through all those years of playing out there. You know? what, what year did you leave Arizona? Uh, 2010 is when I left. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we just, we, yeah. We ran in the same circle, but we just never yeah, hung out all that much. Yeah. yeah and there's yeah. a lot of cats like that. And Mike Mercer and I were talking about that. And that's kind of the way it is with musicians, right? And, and especially your musician buddies, because you guys always, you always have gigs, so you can't go to each other's shows and hang out necessarily unless, exactly you're, right. unless you're performing together. Yeah. But I definitely- yeah. And we all lived up in Cave Creek. You know, Ethan was down in Tempe. We were up in Cape Creek, so it was like, you know, it felt like opposite ends of the world back then. Yeah. Oh, it totally was. And I was out on the west side. You know, I would like go out to the east side of like, wow, Scottsdale and Tempe and all this <laughs> stuff. And and I was teaching out there as well, so I kept pretty busy. You know, nice. but um, yeah. I'm glad that we were able to connect over Ethan tonight. Yeah, me too. Me too. I remember early on when I first met Ethan, he was, he, you know, I, he, he was talking about recording bass parts for you on, on some of your tracks and things like that years and years ago. That was the first time I heard your name was out of Ethan's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Same here for you, man. You know, he would talk about yeah. Easton Nash and I'd be like, oh, I saw those guys, you know, and he would tell me about him. Sean Johnson, um, Alan Dakina is another guy that I've never met, but Ethan just adored and admired so much he would tell me about him all the time and i mean he jammed a phenomenal so musician yeah i've heard i've yeah. heard and i've also um caught some of his stuff on the socials for the flying squirrels i think it is yeah yeah he doesn't have a lot of clips or live stuff online though so um i wish that i, I think could. that's a relatively new project for him yeah okay. so it's like a trio that they're doing so i'm sure they'll have more stuff out there eventually yeah. sure and he was in, uh, Ethan played with him in As, As Is. Is that the band that they performed together in? I think, no? I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope I can score uh, an interview with him because Ethan's mom was telling me that she knows him very well and that he'd be a really good guy to talk to about Ethan. I bet he'd be happy to do it. Yeah. So, Alan, if you're listening, man, it'd be awesome if we could uh, connect sometime. So, um, for the people listening, um, what is, what's your primary instrument and, or what instruments do you play or what is it that you, uh, do musically? Sure. Uh, so primary instrument is, is guitar. Uh, you know, I was kind of the lead guitarist in, in Easton Ash. Ryan sang and played rhythm guitar. Um, we had various bass players over the years, later years, Ethan was one of them. Um, uh, and, and Jeff Joas was, was on drums for most of the history of the band. Um, so yeah, guitar. I'm also a singer, but my, you know, I was more a lead guitarist to Ryan's lead singer in, uh, in Easton Ash. Cool. 
cool and a, and a great singer at that man i always i've always struggled with harmonies and when i was talking to tony king a few weeks ago i was talking to him about you know the the songs that you guys have recently released uh through jay's friendly friends facebook page um yeah. the thing that 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 come that sticks and i'm sure you've heard this from a ton of people is just the harmonies that you guys have are just great and i was talking to tony about that a little bit and he was telling me that you're the glue that kind of holds that together. You know, that Matthew's a guy who can, who can slip in anywhere. Where'd you learn how to sing harmonies like that? So I started singing at an early age. I was in a third and fourth grade choir. And then um, in high school, I got involved in acapella music um, and, and rode that all the way into college. So I was in uh, several different acapella groups throughout college. Um, there was a summer group that I was involved in. So, you know, when there's no instruments, it's basically all harmonies, right? And so you sure. you learn, uh, yeah, you, you learn that way. Yep. Very cool. So you, you had a bunch of hours in before you even came out to Phoenix to do it. Yeah, I did, I did, yeah. But primarily in acapella, you know, it was interesting. I hadn't really been a lead guitar player in a band until I moved out here. So that was a little bit of a different role for me. I was, you know, I was more, I felt like a rhythm guitar player. I was trying to write songs, but uh, that's kind of the role that I took in, in that band. Yeah. Very cool. So nowadays, what kind of uh, creative projects are you involved in? Uh, so well, you mentioned my, my good buddy, Tony King. So he and Jay Allen and I have a trio uh, that we call JTM3. Uh, we just did a show at the Musical Instrument Museum here in Phoenix last night, which was great. And when we do bigger shows, festivals, things like that, we add Ted Belladin on keys and Brendan McBride on bass. So it becomes kind of like a, a five piece. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my main creative endeavor right now is, uh, is JTM3 as a band. Um, I still do other kind of side gigs. I play with Todd Miller every Sunday night at a, at a wine bar, and that's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, JTM3 is kind of the main creative center of my universe these days yeah that's very cool yeah i'm talking to uh todd tomorrow night actually so it's interesting that it's, you he'll have he'll have more ethan stories than almost anybody i know i mean they, oh. you know they were like brothers they really were you know yeah, yeah dude, it's it's there's no way that i'm gonna be able to get everything out of that guy's head in one episode i think it's gonna be like maybe a part two part three part four kind of deal with todd <laughs> you might have to yeah oh, <laughs> I, just from you know, I mean, I knew Todd well and all that, but Ethan was my guy, you know, so it was like, it'll be, I have, and I've written down a bunch of things I want to talk to Todd about because over the years, I got so much, I'm sure the same thing happened to you, but I got so many Todd Ethan stories, but only through Ethan's filter, you know, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to hear Todd's take on some of that stuff, you know, and uh, so qu quick, sure. a quick, a quick, since we're talking about Todd, so what about, you know, I used to do a lot of gigs with Ethan, a lot of duos, you know, aside from bands and things like that. He'd call me, he'd be like, hey, can you do this duo gig with me? But when, as we'd be setting up, he'd always go, so I know this guy named Todd, and he would launch into a Todd story, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so as many stories as you hear out of Todd, to, to, you know, on your next episode here, you're going to hear, you know, Ethan had just as many uh, about about Todd, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, I used to love it when he'd pull out the Chucky Todd stuff <laughs> yeah. he was such a character man oh he yeah. could tell a story couldn't he he could he really could yep 
And you mentioned um, the concert you got you guys had last night um, at the it's the Musical Instrument Museum, right? Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, that was a big deal for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of an honor to be invited to play there. Um, they, you know, it's it's a, it's one of the finest theaters. It only seats about 300 people, but it's this beautiful theater attached to a musical instrument museum. And they have, you know, an African instrument museum, a Latin American, you know, exhibit, uh, you know, all these different things. There's a, there's a rock room, which is pretty cool. They have a lot of like rock memorabilia um, in it. Um, but the theater itself, they do, you know, different kinds of concert series and, um, in the summertime in particular, when there's not a lot of touring bands that want to come to Arizona, they do an IMAZ music series and they invite a lot of local bands to come and play the theater. Um, and it, I mean, it really is, it's, it's, it's a great place. And you, you walk down the hall by the dressing rooms and there's pictures of all the people that have played in there over the years. It's only been open, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so, but um, just there's been some legendary musicians that have come through there. So yeah, it's, it's a, a beautiful theater. You can literally hear a pin drop on the stage in there when it's full of people and everybody's quiet. So it's um, it's a special place to play. Very cool, man. Well, I saw a couple of pictures and a couple quick clips. Um, but will there be like some more video or audio to follow where people can listen? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be releasing probably some of the live tracks on, on streaming platforms. We'll we, we had a, a video team out there. I don't know if you know Adam Armijo, another great uh, Arizona musician. He's a guitar player, but he also is a phenomenal videographer and, and video editor, just video production guy in general. So we did. he was there with five cameras, uh, three kind of relatively stationary. Some had like booms, which is kind of neat. And then he had um, uh, Erica, who's his significant another uh, and him both kind of roaming so we'll have like a five camera shoot essentially then we'll definitely be releasing videos on youtube and some of the audio on the streaming platforms very cool well by the time uh this episode comes out um a few weeks will have gone by so i'll make sure to get back in touch either with you or tony or jay and get some more information that i can leave for people listening so that they can check it out and before we get into ethan i just want to say that um the songs you guys have been putting out are great and I hope that you keep it up. Is there an album coming soon? Um, so we, we're, it's either next week or the week after we're dropping the last sort of single off of our EP. We, you know, we've recorded six songs and we've kind of released them all basically as singles. So that was kind of the EP that we recorded. Um, and then the plan is, yeah, to kind of go back into the woodshed and write and record some more songs. And, um, you know, hopefully by this time next year, we'll have some more stuff to release. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And I also have to say that I'm very jealous that you get to perform or uh, jam with Tony King so often. <laughs> I'm just playing with that yeah. guy. Oh, oh. such a good drummer. And, and he's, he's such a good drummer and he's such a good hand too. You know, he's just such a kind human being and a, and a hilarious guy. I just, I mean, he, he lights up the room when he walks in, you know? So, yeah. And that's how Ethan was too, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you remember there for a while, those guys came as a as a as a package. You know, it was like a two guys yes. deal. And yeah. when I met him, and we did the Christofoya band, that was you know those guys were hanging together, and they were the rhythm section for so many different projects. But yeah, Tony's a great guy, so I'm jealous of you. And Jay too, I miss hanging out with Jay. Jay's so cool, and I look forward to talking to Jay sometime. He's a busy guy, 
So um, at some point I'll be able to nail him down, but I know that he and Ethan were really close and spent a lot of time together. So hopefully that can happen. All right, man. So I guess the best place to start is uh, with how you met Ethan. Do you remember how you met him? Yeah, I do. I do. I remember, uh, yeah, what I believe was the first time I I ever spoke to him. Um, So you mentioned Easton Ash. Ryan and I lived in Cave Creek, as I mentioned, and there was um, a kind of club, bar, restaurant type of thing there um, called Kokomo Joe's, um, and they had live music every weekend. You know, they would do like sometimes an open mic on Wednesdays, or, or yeah, I think it was an open mic on Wednesdays, and they would have bands Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then they would have like an acoustic thing on Sundays. Um, I ended up doing that acoustic thing on Sundays a couple times with Ethan um, years later, but first time I met Ethan, um, Ryan Sims and I from Easton Ash were, were on a night off and we decided to go down to Kokomo Joe's on a Thursday night and, you know, check out the competition kind of a thing. You know, I, I had just recently moved to Arizona. Um, and yeah, so we walk in and there's this band called Tate Band playing. Tate stood for Todd, Alan, Tony, and Ethan. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was like, wow, these guys are really good. They were playing like uh, Rage Against the Machine and like, you know, really cool, but sometimes difficult things to play. Um, Highway to Hell, you know, so we kind of just sat there and listened to them for a while. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not sure I talked to Ethan that night, but it wasn't too long after we were back in there on uh, maybe a Wednesday night for an open mic and Todd and Ethan were hosting an open mic and Ryan and I kind of walked in and we just wanted to listen and they're like, hey, I know who you guys are. You, you guys play that Easton Ash band. And we're like, what, us? Get up here and play some songs. And at the time, we had this manager who was pretty controlling, and we ended up firing a few years later. Um, and we were like, oh, you know, Ethan was like, get up here and play some songs. I've heard you guys. You guys are good. You guys are good. I've heard of you guys. And we're like, well, our, our manager won't let us won't let us play. You know, he doesn't want <laughs> us to kind of do open mics. You know, it's like we only need to be featured in showcases or some crap like that, you know. And Ethan, I'll, I'll never forget this. He said, "Methinks he doth protest too much," <laughs> is what Ethan said, which I, I guess, is a Shakespeare quote, you know. Um, and, and in hindsight, he was absolutely right. We should have fired that guy a long time ago. And you know, any exposure is good exposure. We should have gotten up there and played. And, and we actually ended. You know, he he talked us into it. I was like, "You want to do this, Ryan?" He's like, "Yeah, all right, fine." Just. We're like, you know, don't don't tell our manager, you know, that kind of thing. If you, if you ever meet our manager, don't tell him we did this, you know. Uh, we got up there and played a few songs, and um, yeah, that was that was really the first time I met Todd and Ethan, um, you know. And Todd is one of my closest friends to this day. Um, so yeah, that would would have been, I guess, two thousand three or four, probably. I'm guessing Ethan would have been somewhere around 30 around that time. I guess I was 26. I'm 44 now. So a lot of time has gone by. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, I met yeah. Ethan in uh, around 2003. So about the th- you and I yeah. met when uh, probably within months of each other. Yeah. You know, and uh, my experience w- with meeting him was, uh, you know, I went to see him and I w- Alan Chadwick sent me to go see him. Uh, so that we could get together and, and do a little project or something. And I saw him, dude, and I was so impressed that I didn't have the guts to talk to him. I just left. I was like, this guy's way too, but you know, eventually I found out that 
that's the antithesis of Ethan. You know, he would talk to anybody and all that. But yeah, he's like the most approachable person ever. You know, you could be like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, you'd be like, "Hey, what's your name?" Yeah, you know, like right. Yeah, what do you do? What's your name? Where are you from? Yeah. And yeah. when you were talking, when you were just telling your story, um, I can just imagine Ethan's face when you're like, "Oh, my manager says we can't get up." <laughs> I could see him being like, yeah, yeah, it was like. <laughs> Come on, get up here. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could just yeah. imagine. So, uh, what projects and like bands and what kind of in what capacity did you perform and play with Ethan over the years? Yeah. So, okay. So I, I met him when he was playing with Tate Band, and then shortly thereafter, uh, he started Delcoa with Tony King and Jay Allen and Ashley Norton and Jay Poole. Um, and they were playing at a place called Armitage, um, which is like a wine bar. It's actually still there. It's, uh, it's a little bit different now. It's called The Living Room, but it's kind of basically the same place and same atmosphere. Um, but they would play there like every Sunday. And so that became like a, almost like an industry hangout, right? Like we would all go and sit and listen to Delcoa and we'd get up and play songs with them. And uh, yeah, so, and that's, that's kind of how I got to know Jay. Uh, who I still play with, you know, now. Um, yeah, so I, you know, but I didn't actually start playing, I guess, with Ethan um, until another couple years later. So Easton Ash left Arizona for about a year and a half in 2005, 2004, five, gosh, my, my memory's terrible. That's probably one thing that'll come through on this, this show. <laughs> um, but we, we left for about a year to go back east and play some shows. And we rented a, a couple of apartments in Baltimore, where I was from, and kind of did some touring you know, up and down the East Coast. Um, and then coming back, um, let's see, we had GK Mac on bass initially. And then he moved back to Canada. And then we had Nathan Marshall on bass. Um, and he ended up having a lot of kids and <laughs> started focusing on that. And so, um, yeah, I we, we needed a bass player. And so, you know, we're like, I wonder if Ethan would do this. And we were like, no, I don't, I don't think he'll do it. Like he's, he's so busy. He's got so many bands. It's just, there's no way, but I mean, obviously he's the first person that comes to mind when you think of a bass player in Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, he was one of the best and we knew he was, super fun to hang out with and we were already friends with them so it, you know it made a lot of sense in that regard but we just didn't think it was it was going to happen um but we kind of approached him right you know uh brought it to him and you know he was like wow uh <laughs> you know because he you know we had been a band for for a long time you know and he's like wow it's just you know, he had a lot of concerns to say the least you know as, as he probably should have you know um but in the end, yeah, I mean, he, you know, it's like, well, I, I don't want it to be this, or I don't want it to be that, and I don't want to change what you guys do. And we convinced him basically to join Easton Ash and be the bass player for Easton Ash. And, um, and it was great. I mean, we had so much fun. Um, I have some great video footage of all of us playing um, some kind of a festival on this great big stage down uh, where the, the Arizona Cardinals play, the football stadium uh, outdoor there. Um, I still have that footage and actually some of it's out on YouTube. I, I was just noticing, I was kind of Googling some oldies, snatch things recently. And I was like, Oh, look at that. There's Ethan playing with us. Um, 
so he was with us for a couple of years. Um, and actually, here's a funny story. Um, his first gig with us was on July 3rd. I don't remember what year, but I remember it was July 3rd because this place we played at a lot was called Harold's Corral. Still there. It's been there for ever and ever and ever. It's up here in Cave Creek where I live. Um, they still have bands every weekend. Um, and 3rd of July, they would do a huge fireworks display kind of for the whole town of Cave Creek. And they would have bands all night outside and bands all night inside. And it was this big kind of 3rd of July slash 4th of July festival. Um, so that was Ethan's first gig with us. <clears throat> and um, what, what makes it memorable is that our drummer quit that day <laughs> as he was setting up. <laughs> and it, I mean, this, this is Jeff Joas. We're all friends again now. But, you know, at the time we had been, Ryan and Jeff and myself had been playing together for many years and we had spent countless hours in vans driving across country. And um, I think we did, I want to say, eight or nine trips round trips across country from Arizona to the East Coast and back. Um, in a van, uh, we've been to Alaska together, uh, you know, a couple of times to play a club up there, which was always a great time. I'll have to, uh, we'll come back to Alaska because uh, Ethan factors into that one too. Anyway, um, long story longer, um, <laughs> Jeff just had had enough, you know, he, he just had enough and that 3rd of July, <laughs> he decided, he had had it, and so he was packing. You know, he was we were setting up for the show, and Ethan was like, "Oh, I'm so excited to play with you guys for the first time. It's gonna be great! Wow, you know who who'd thought after all these years we'd get together and play this kind of a gig, you know?" And I, I don't know. Somebody said 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 something that set Jeff off, and he just started packing up his gear. hadn't even fully set up his drums yet, but he started packing his drums up and. Uh, and the last thing he said as he walked off the stage is like, happy Independence Day, bitches, or something like that. <laughs> and years later, we st I laugh with him about that story. We're all friends now, but, you know, at the time, you know, we were all young. And, uh, but Ethan was like, what, what are we going to do? Like, we, we need a drummer. And so, so we're calling all over town trying to get a fill-in drummer like an hour from now so we can do this gig. Um, but that was Ethan's first gig with the band. Is our longtime drummer, a founding member of the band, quit that day. Wow, what a trip. Yeah. So what ended up happening? Um, Ryan got on the phone and was calling all kinds of drummers. Um, well, you had mentioned the Gin Blossoms. This guy, had uh, he wasn't a founding member of the Gin Blossoms, but he would played with them for a while. His name was Scott Kuzmerich. Um, actually, he lives in Upper Michigan. Um, he moved moved back there a number of years ago, but um, yeah, he he was playing and touring with the Gin Blossoms, and uh, I think he just kind of split from them. And I don't even remember how we got his number or who gave us his number, but he was like, "Sure, I'll be there in an hour." And he showed up, and he was with us for a year, two years, a couple years. Um, wow. Yeah, and told us a lot of stories about touring with the the Blossoms, and yeah, that was, that was cool. But yeah, so that was the. It was like the rebirth of Easton Ash was Ethan on uh, on bass and Scott on drums for a little while. And then we had, I think, Craig Warner after that. But yeah, started to be a little bit more of a revolving door <laughs> um, after yeah, after that. But yeah. It seems like if you're together long enough in a band, it, it, 
the revolving doors just kind of start opening and yeah. shutting like crazy <laughs> unless you're a famous band or something like that you know and so in Easton exactly. you guys did a lot of um, original music and covers as well right so you were playing originals and covers with Ethan as well did Ethan ever get involved in the writing process or lend his ideas to songs or had you already had your songs mapped out before he came in or how did that work um, you know, I always thought that Ethan had the mind of a music director. Uh, oh, yes. And, and, and years later, even after Easton Ash, like there would be, there would be bands that would be thrown together kind of a thing, or, you know, I'd be called as like a substitute guitar player. And if Ethan was on the gig, he always stepped into that role as music director. And like, if you didn't know, you know, if they, he didn't know a song. He'd be like, I don't really know this one. He's like, I got you. I'll talk you through it, you know. And like, he'd be like, four, one, minor, you know, minor six, you know, <laughs> hold on the four, you know. He, I mean, he could like coach a person through a song they didn't know. Um, so I don't, I don't know that he ever got involved in the writing process. And, and frankly, at that time, um, we had we had primarily become. Well, we, we had we had sort of a book of originals, and Ryan was writing new songs, but we were we were kind of in a, in a place where we were probably ready to start writing and recording new originals. Um, and I left the band actually a few years, a year or so probably after that. So uh, we never really got the opportunity to write with Ethan. I guess is, is the is the, the, the long answer. Um, but I know that if we had sat down, he would have had he would have had great ideas. Oh yeah, always, man. He, and he had such a good way of injecting those ideas, almost in a way that made you think that you're the guy who came up with the idea. One hundred percent, yes. That was <laughs> kind of his thing. He'd be like, "People are saying the same thing right now, right? Yeah, let's do it that way." <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. He had it down, man. Naturally, you know. And and I was just gonna say another common thing that's been popping up in these interviews that you just said was his ability. To direct a band you know in a past episode i already told my story about the first time someone came up and asked for a random song and i was like uh i don't know that song and he was like hey, come on it's okay man you know and uh, I got it. we'll it figure a, it out yeah it was scary but after you submitted and just kind of followed them then it was like okay and i think that's what made people want to play with them so much because it was just so comfortable and you knew that he had your back and you knew everything was going to be fine. Even if it wasn't fine, it was still going to be cool. You know, you yep. just had a way to instill that confidence in, in a, any group he played with or any musician he played with. Yeah. So Easton so Ash was the bulk of your time that you spent performing with Ethan. And you mentioned earlier, you guys did some little one-offs here and there. I mean, what, what other, in what other capacity did you, uh, play with Ethan over the years. So yeah, no, we, we did a, a ton of gigs outside of Easton Ash years later. So I left Easton Ash in 2010. Uh, my day career kind of thing moved me to Chicago for a few years. Um, and I moved back in 2012. Um, and then, I, you know, I, in those couple of years, I didn't even pick up a guitar. We just had our first daughter. We have three kids. Um, and that, that first daughter's 10, which is hard for me to believe. Um, but uh, well, yeah, so I moved back in 2012 and started to kind of slowly get back into the music scene again. And 
Um, and then, you know, it got to the point where Ethan would call me and be like, hey, uh, you want to do a gig with me on Sunday at, you know, this place? It's just the two of us. And we'd be like, sure, you know? Um, and we start, you know, we would do that, I don't know, maybe once a month um, for, for years, you know, we kind of went on that way. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't always consistent. Months would go by and we wouldn't, you know, we might not play gigs and then get out of nowhere he'd call and be like, hey, uh, you available this Sunday? Be like, sure, you know, we'd get back together and play a few more gigs. Um, but one of, the, one of the great things about Ethan, um, there's a, only a few people in my, in my life who have, have, you know, have done this, but what Ethan would do is, um, if I hadn't seen him maybe for a few weeks, he would call me. And if he didn't get a hold of me, if I was playing a gig or sleeping or whatever, you know, he would leave me a message and he would just be like, hey man, I miss you. I'm Mr. Musk. That was always my thing with Ethan. It was from a, a movie, but I was, you know, every time I talk to Ethan, I'd be like, Mr. Musk, man, we sort this whole thing out. You know, we should get an apartment together. It's, it's a line from Anchorman, but I would always like quote that to him and he would quote it back to me. So anyway, he would leave me these, these long voicemails and he'd just be like, hey, man, I was just thinking about you. He's usually on the way home from a gig. I can hear him driving his car, you know. Yeah. I was just thinking about you, man. I just love you so much. I hope you're well. You know, I see your beautiful family on the Facebooks and the Insta socials and all the things. And I just, uh, I really miss you. I hope you're well. And I hope we get to do a gig soon or, you know. And he would do that religiously every few weeks. And, and for my wife as well. Like, um, he became, uh, I'm, I'm probably rambling, but another quick story. So, um, Britt and I got married in 2010 um, and we needed a wedding band. And I, so I, I asked Ethan, I was like, who would you, if you were to get married, who, what band would you get? And he was like, Bad News Blues. They're out of Tucson. You know, his name is Mike. Here's his number. Call him. <laughs> and I called. We, we actually went to see them at the Rhythm Room and we took Britt's parents. Um, and for your listeners, the Rhythm Room is a really divey kind of place. Um, and at the time, it was kind of in a shame part of Phoenix. It's a much nicer part of Phoenix now. It's very much gentrified, but we took my in-laws in there and sat down before this band started and they were like, oh, I don't know. Like, really? You want to play in a place, in a place like this to play your wedding? And uh, needless to say, the band killed. You know, they're a blues band with a, a female sax player and she's amazing. And it was all Ethan's recommendation. Um, but he also emceed the wedding for us, um, which was great, you know? So he he was the master of ceremonies for our wedding. Um, not only did he help us find the band, but he, he sort of did all the logistics all night long to make sure everybody knew where they were going and what was happening. Um, wow. And as, as a part of that, I think he and Brittany, my wife, grew pretty close, you know, through over the years. And so he would, he, he would call me and he would leave me a voicemail. And then if he didn't get a hold of me, he would call Brittany. If he didn't get a hold of her, he'd also leave her a voicemail, you know, and, Sometimes the same night, sometimes different nights, you know, but he just it seemed like, you know, his people, you know, he loved his people. And if he didn't get to see him, he wanted them to know that he was loving them and still thinking about them. And um, yeah, that was one of my favorite things. And one of the things I miss most about Ethan was waking up to just some random voicemail, you know, of him yeah. talking, you know? Yeah. Man, he was so good at that. I mean, I had, I had my things with him, you know, that he would, after I left Phoenix, he would, call me from gigs and play a song that I had written uh, that we recorded on our first album and just little things like that, you know, two, three, four times a year. Um, 
he would just keep in touch. And then, so since you and I met him in the same year, you probably remember, and I've been waiting to find someone that I could talk to about this, but do you remember the voice, the, uh, like the message greetings that Ethan would leave on his phone when you'd call him? Remember he changed them up like every week. <laughs> do you remember this? Yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember them specifically, but I do remember yeah. that he would switch them up and they were always hilarious. Yeah. Yes, dude. Or like, You'd, like, you'd call him and it'd be like, hey there, happy camper. The weather this week is going to be like he'd list the weather that he'd read in the newspaper or whatever. And, or, or like some bit of, of uh, like commentary from the news that was going on or, you know, it was just like yeah. hilarious stuff. And he would do it yeah, this every week. week. Yeah. 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 This week, Mercury's in retrograde. So that means you need to be very careful. You know, you might stub your toe, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, if only, uh, if only someone had recorded those back then or had the wherewithal to like uh, get some of them down, you know, for history's sake. I should ask Alan about it, too, because, you know, I'm sure Alan, I remember Alan knowing about probably those. remember some of them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He could speak Spanish, you know, he would, uh, yeah. I know. So after I had met him and we, I'd probably known him maybe three or four months, we're doing this gig. And after the gig, I, I looked in his truck. I was helping him kind of put stuff in the back of his truck. And he had a CD from this Mexican rock band sitting on the, on the seat there. And I go, hey, dude, what do you know about these guys? He's like, oh, man, that's one of my favorite bands. And they're, they're actually coming to the Cajun house next week. Like, why don't you go with me? And I was like, holy shit. And dude, he knew all these Mexican rock bands that I that I loved, you know. And then um, every once in a while, he'd he'd be like, uh, "Oh yeah, Chris, cómo estás?" You know, he'd like start talking Spanish, and we'd be like, "Dude." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember sometimes just uh, like as a gag, like he'd be in the middle of a song, and he would like translate the words into you know his version of spanish right but he would sing like a whole verse of a song in spanish and like do his best to translate it on the fly um, oh man since we have the same number of years with ethan as well do you remember and i'm looking for anyone who has a copy of this because i would love it but do you remember that song he wrote about scottsdale guys uh i, I i've talked about this with multiple people like yes. I don't know that he ever actually recorded it anywhere um, that I'm aware of, but but we thought if we got like everybody together, like we could probably figure out the lyrics, you know, like yeah. the collective memory, you know. But yeah, no, I remember like like sushi chefs named Lars, like where have all yeah. the cowgirls gone? Yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> that was such uh, a something good about song, C-section, C-section scars and yeah. sushi chefs named Lars. Yeah, that's totally. <laughs> Yeah, oh, he yeah. called it the Scottsdale. He called it the Scottsdale song, and it was yeah, it was where have all the cowgirls gone? Yeah. Oh man, uh, yeah. Jay and Tony and I, I think we're sitting around like, oh, I bet if we got like Todd and maybe you, Chris, like a bunch of us together, like we could probably figure out all the lyrics and like construct a version of it. I mean, wouldn't be the same without him singing it, but at least it, right. the lyrics would in some way be memorialized, you know. <laughs> such a funny song i remember the first time i heard him singing it man i was just like oh and we were in scott and he used to love playing it in scottsdale too <laughs> on purpose to like yeah you know, get at that man it was like just hilarious man that's so cool we should definitely try to make an effort to do that 
<laughs> what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I was doing a, a good beer. Now I'm doing a Mick Ultra. <laughs> so. oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just a silver bullet uh, guy, man. I always like. Are you? Oh, nice. I always like to see my blue mountains, you know, ever since back in the day, I've tried to get into some IPAs and stuff like that, but well, I, you know what? I do like those, uh, real stout, almost like the chocolate or peanut butter beers, you know, those are really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyways, getting back to Ethan, um, you know, another thing that I'm always interested in because, Another thing that I'm finding is that Ethan was very consistent with the people he knew in the way that he would make them feel special and um, almost like he just had, uh, Mike Mercer said it best when he said that he had like a teacher's soul. Like you couldn't help but take something away from Ethan that would stick with you, especially musically or in your personal life, you know? And so one of the questions I like to ask is, can you think of anything that you took away from performing with Ethan that, that affected the way you play your instrument or the way you see music or something that you still use today that you got from Ethan? Yeah, well, yeah, a, a couple of things, I guess. So one is, you know, when you played with Ethan, he played a, a right-handed guitar upside down. So everything he was playing, you know, when you typically, you know, if you're in a, you know, we do a lot, like I talked about these duo gigs that we would do, right? And he would know songs that I would know, I would know songs that he would know, but we would kind of try to follow each other. And, you know, for any any of your listeners that haven't been in that kind of situation, I mean, that's pretty common, right? When you do a duo, it's like, hey, do you guys do any Neil Young? It's like, oh, I don't, but this guy does, you know, that kind of thing. And, but the problem with playing with Ethan is he plays an upside down guitar. So I couldn't like look at his fingers to figure out what chords he was playing. So I had to really like, just kind of like, listen open my ears as wide as, as they as they could and like i said he would kind of coach you through songs you know sometimes but um but yeah so i guess i, I learned a little bit <laughs> just to to play by ear literally uh with him um you know what else have i learned from ethan um something well I, something that ethan had that i wish i <laughs> had was he he was entertaining, you know, I, I, I well, and so maybe this is what I learned from him. I, I, I learned not just how to sit on a bar stool and play songs, but how to entertain and interact with people. And that's, I think, what people loved about watching Ethan play is, you know, musicianship aside, it, he was entertaining, he was funny, and he would he would interact with people, you know, even if they didn't want to be interacted with, he'd be like, hey, you two, over there, you know, you with the red hat, you know, like, and, and hey, your girl, your girl, she's got, she's got nice boobs, you, you, yes, yes, you, I'm talking to you, what song do you want to hear, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> and, you know, he, you know, he would say things, you know, get people's attention, and they'd be like, is this guy for real, and then, they, but they would get into it, you know, and it would, it would make them more interested in what was happening, so, you know, if you're a musician, you've probably heard the term musical wallpaper, right? And it's when you're you're playing a gig and you're just in the background, no one's really listening or paying attention to you. And it was almost like Ethan refused to be musical wallpaper. You know, he would, no matter where he was, he would interact with people and, and get them interested and make them laugh and, and entertain them, you know? So I guess, um, yeah, uh, that I, I try to, I, I definitely don't have anywhere near the size of a personality that Ethan had, but I, I try to, 
take that with me into every gig that I play. And if no one's listening, you're like, hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Hey, what are you doing? Where are you from? You know, like, and, and just pull people in, you know, that, and he was, he was great at that. Um, he really was. Yeah. Man. And I mean, it just, yeah, just playing with him. I mean, I, I learned a ton, you know, um, you know, they call it the Nashville number system, but, um, you know, for your people who aren't musicians, might not make much sense to them, but every, you know, every chord has a number, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then you back up to the, to the roots. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I said it earlier, but Ethan would coach you through the song using that number system. He'd be like, go up to the five, stay on the five, down to the four. All right, watch out for the six. Here comes the six. Back to the, you know, all right, back to the top. Start again, you know, like, and he can kind of coach you through a whole song, even sometimes while he was singing, you know, he would step away from the mic, like four, and then sing, 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 sing. Back to the one, sing, 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 sing. Up to the five, sing, 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 you know, and it, I mean, it was impressive. Just, you know, like, wow, he is really, he is directing a whole band while he is singing. I don't know how he's doing that. <laughs> and he would, he would get a whole band through a song that none of them knew, you know? And I love it. He would always start with the drummer and he'd be like, okay, you, it goes, dum, dum, kaka, dum, dum, kaka, dum, dum, kaka. <laughs> you know, he would like give him the drum beat first and the tempo. And he'd be like, all right, you guys, it's only A, B minor, you know, whatever. They would shout out the chords. And then as you go through the song, you call out, out those numbers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I, that's what I learned from Ethan. Yeah. Man, it was amazing to watch him do that too, because for like, for like, a layman in the audience, they, you know, they wouldn't know the difference of what's going on, but like for musicians, you know, and again, that that's something that many other people that I've talked to so far, that's something that they talk about, you know, because it was so fascinating to see him do that stuff. You know, something else that I, you know, I wish I could have taken from him a little bit was he was great at like diffusing like hecklers or like, drunk person yeah. in front of the stage like shouting songs out at you you know and he would do it in a way that was that would diffuse it but you know still be funny you know it's like i i hear your heckling or i hear that you're shouting this song over and over at the band but he, you know he would do it in a way that would like get them to stop and sort of diffuse the situation and make it funny all at the same time and somehow not hurt their feelings and i don't know how he did that you know but yeah. he would uh you know yeah yeah he was one of a kind. It was an art, man. It really was how he would do that. Yep. Even in his personal life. I mean, speaking of that, I mean, off the stage, did you and Ethan foster a, a friendship? I mean, did you guys hang out? And Yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I would always have called him a friend first and then a sort of a fellow musician second. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, in hindsight, I wish we had hung out <laughs> way more. You know, if I sure. if I had known we would, you know, we weren't gonna have any more time, I would I would have made more time. But, but you said it, I think earlier. It's like when you're a musician, if you're not in the same band, you know, it's like it's hard to find time. You know, um, but yeah, yeah. When we got together, it was always in this the case with with great friends. You know, it's like even if you haven't seen one another in a few months, it's like you pick up right where you left off. Like no time has has gone by, and that was exactly how it was with Ethan. Um, yeah, but no, we, you know, uh, yeah, we were, we were great friends. Oh, and here, here's another fun fact. So um, Ethan uh, had a dog named Lucy, who I, I believe is still with his mom, Kathleen. Um, so we, Britt and I were over at Ethan's house one night and saw Lucy and we're like, oh my God, this might be the cutest dog I have ever seen. Like, 
where did you get this dog? And he's like, he's like, oh, there's a breeder breeding them. And they're like, they're not like your average dog. They're like, it's like half American Eskimo and half poodle. And they come out looking like, I don't know, like just a different, different than a lot of, a lot of dogs. And anyway, Brittany and I saw Lucy and we're like, we, we got to have a Lucy. So we <laughs> sought out this, this lady who, you know, was like, oh, well, lucky for you. I, I've got another litter like coming out like in a, another couple of weeks. And so Lucy's brother, Joey, is here in my house tonight. He's 14 and I think Lucy is 15. So <laughs> we have we have brother, sister dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, one of the first times <laughs> I met Lucy, I was over at Ethan's house, right? And, you know, she is super cute, but she's got the, she she has those legs that you can't help but look at, you know? And I remember, yeah. I remember uh, she ran in the room and uh, I go, I told Ethan, I go, man, that she is so cute. She's the coolest dog. You know, I go, but what's wrong with her legs? And he gets real serious, you know, and he looks at me, he goes, not a damn thing. <laughs> you know, he was like sticking up for her, you know, like there's not a damn thing wrong with her. She's perfect in every way. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to. He goes, no, no, it's cool. He goes, yeah, she's she's got she's got a cool little shape to her, but it's unique, you know. And she's beautiful, and she's the best dog I've ever met. She was, but it was obvious. You're like something's weird with her, the shape of that dog. And I guess they said she was like in the she was the runt of the litter and kind of got smushed in the womb or something. And yeah, so like her back legs are like are, are definitely strange looking. Yeah, yeah. Right, but how lucky was she? To, have, to find Ethan and have Ethan in her life, man, because he treated her as if though her legs were just the best legs ever, <laughs> you know? It was yeah. so cool. Dude. Yeah. So of all yeah. the gigs that you played with Ethan, are there any that stick out in your memory or that, that, that shine any specific one that you thought either where you had the most fun with them or something funny went down? I mean, aside from your drummer quitting the first night he played with you. This has been a hard question for people that I've talked to too, because so many gigs are so fun with Ethan that it's hard to yeah. pick a particular one, you know, but. Yeah, and it, as I said, my memory sucks, but um, there was, a, so Easton Ash did a CD release party uh, at a place called the Wrigley Mansion that's still there. I don't think too many musical events anymore. At the time they had a really great Kind of event planner that was pulling in bands and trying to make good use of the of the Wrigley Mansion space. Um, now it's more just kind of like a museum, and they have a restaurant in there. But at the time, they were doing a lot of special events, and so uh, I think Delcoa had, had done a bunch of gigs there, and Easton Ash did a CD release party there, and we had Delcoa open the show because they were kind of like our closest friends, and they were a great band. And uh, I think that I was, was at that show epic night well, you, you might have been you might have been um that was an epic night and we had i don't even know how yeah we had like 700 people in this small relatively small kind of like banquet hall at the wrigley mansion and it was just it was a special night one because it was our city release party but two because delcoa was there and ethan was there and it was like this great way to to mix work you know you're to mix musicianship and friendship and, and all this stuff that was definitely up there um i'm trying to think if there are any other epic gigs so I'm just, so we did some shows in alaska and i 
I'm trying to think if Ethan went up with us to any of those, but there was a time, no, I think it was, uh, so Ethan was in a band sort of between, uh, with Alan, uh, sort of after Tate, um, Tony, Mike Mercier, Capital Ethan. And uh, Capital Down, yes, it was, or Good Fight, it was somewhere in there. Yeah. I think those guys had gone up to play in Alaska and we were coming in right after them. And so there was a one night overlap I hope I'm not messing this up in my memory. I think that's right, though. There was a one-night overlap where we were all in Alaska together, and it was just, you know, a bunch of Arizona people hanging out in Alaska. It was just, uh, it was an awesome time and memorable. Um, so that was a good one, too. Yeah. Gosh, there's, I mean, there, there's, I'm sure there are so many more, though. I'm forgetting. My memory is terrible, but... Uh, as I as I listen to other episodes of your podcast, I'm probably going to send you messages and be like, "Oh, I got a few more stories I want to tell," so I'll have to hit you back when I think of a few more. Oh, for sure. That's <laughs> another that's another common theme. <clears throat> a lot of the guys I'm talking to are like, "Man, I didn't even get anywhere near." When those things kind of shake free from your brain, just let me know. So the, this house that I'm, that, that I'm sitting here talking to you from, um, we bought four years ago in 2018, and we did this big housewarming party and. Um, it just so happened that it was a great night. Like most of our friends were not gigging or if they were gigging, they were done early. And so they came over and um, it was a special night because it was like, we were sitting out on, on my patio over here off to my left. And, um, and it was like, it felt like the who's who of sort of the local Phoenix music scene. And all, you know, I've pulled out just about every guitar I owned and we're all sitting out there and, it was just hours and hours of kind of just passing a guitar around and different people coming in and coming out. And Ethan was there that night. And uh, yeah, that was one of my just favorite nights, period, probably hanging out, you know, in terms of the Phoenix music scene. And it happened to be at my house, which was, was a blessing. Um, but yeah, that was, that was an amazing night. Yeah, it really was. Um, and I remember my last gig with Ethan actually um was only like it was in October before he passed in December so um yeah it, it was and it was a random one um he he called me out of the blue as he tended to do and he was like are you free tomorrow or you know I'm like I think so like what's going on and at this point I hadn't played with him in quite some time like JTM3 was kind of kicking up and I had a lot of gigs there and so yeah, I just I hadn't played with him in quite a long time. So he's like, ah, it's fine. It's just like a Sunday patio gig kind of a thing down at Jolie's place in Chandler. And I had never been in there. Um, he's like, you'll love it. You know, blah, 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 blah. And it was, um, yeah, that was in October. I took a picture that day because I hadn't seen him in so long. It was just so good to see him. And, uh, and Brittany came down, my wife, and we, yeah, we all just had a great afternoon. Um, and yeah. And he seemed great, you know. It's like I, it was so good to see him, and I was like, "Well, let's do it again soon." And and we never really got the chance to. I think that was the last time I saw him. Yeah, yeah. That was going to be one of my questions for you, man. And um, oh, I, I well, stole it from you. No, <laughs> I that's all right. Guns. That's all right. Yeah, yeah I'm always interested because I remember my last interactions with him as well. You know, was that the last conversation you had with him as well, or did you guys? talk after that before he passed away 
I don't know that we spoke face to face. We probably exchanged some text messages or something like that. I, I, you know, I should go back and look through my phone. Um, I don't know if we ever actually spoke on the phone after that, or if it was just text and maybe voicemail here or there. Um, but I almost didn't take that gig too, because it was like 45 minutes from my house and it was the day before and I just kind of was like felt unprepared and I hadn't played with Ethan in a while. And it was a place I'd never been to. And um, and I, you know, I'm, I, I'm always more of a side man. And in a, in a duo situation, you kind of need to, you know, like you want to, you want to go song for song with your duo partner. You sing one, I'll sing one. You sing one, I'll sing one. And, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I feel like I'm a little bit more confident in, in that now. But, um, yeah, and it, he was like, you got to do it. Come on. It'll be fun. It'll be great. You know, you know, he convinced me. And I'm so glad I did that gig with him because yeah. it was so great to see him. And I, you know, I didn't know it was going to be the last time I get to hang out with him. So, yeah. You know, if it's so fun talking about it, it's almost like, feels as if though he's kind of listening to us and laughing a little bit and stuff, you know, if, yeah. uh, if, he, if he was around with us right now, what do you think you'd say to him? Gosh, you trying to make me cry, Chris. Oh man, I'm not <laughs> trying, but I'm just curious. You know? No, just... I know. I know. Um, yeah. If he was, if he was still here, God, I mean, I guess I want to tell him that I love him and I miss him and I, you know, I appreciate his friendship so much, you know, um, so you don't know what you have till it's gone kind of a thing. You know, it's like, he was one of few people in my life that constantly made an effort to let me know that he was thinking about me, you know? So I would want him to know that I am thinking about him and I think about him almost every day. I really do. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, we're gonna have to do another uh, part two. I feel like you know more and more memories are kind of flooding back to me now as we've as we've gotten into it. I'll start I'll start writing a few down for the you know the the, the next time we we chat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd say something similar to what you just said, man. You know, just I love you and I miss you and thanks for being my buddy. You know, mm -hmm. it's not very often you get to come across a guy like Ethan. No. No, I mean, he, you know, a lot of people compared him to like Jack Black, you know, just like this burst of energy, you know, this ball of like love and light and, and hilarity. And, you know, that's how I remember him. It's just this like larger than life, like huge personality that was always kind to everyone, you know, like <laughs> even if Ethan probably didn't like you, you know, and, and, and he, you know, everybody that, that he knew he liked, obviously, but you know, it's like, he, he you know, he just was kind to everyone. And um, that's how I remember him, you know, just this, this ball of good energy, you know, just floating around um, trying to make people happy. You know, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make people laugh, wanted to make people happy. Um, yeah, that's how I remember him. And I'd say he accomplished his goal, man. You know, oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very telling now that he's gone. You know, it's like how many people just, you know, want to talk about him. I mean, I'm, I can't wait to listen to all of the episodes of, of this show here because I think, um, yeah, it's, it will become apparent even to people who didn't know him what a great guy he was, you know. Again, you just don't come across people like that very often. And those people are the ones that need to be celebrated and Put up high for everyone to see as a model you know how you could be yeah. and how you should be yeah well i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me tonight man i got one last question for you 
Sure. You know, how, how would you explain Ethan to someone who didn't know him? Um, well, first, he's a, he was a phenomenal musician. You know, he was a, a kind human. Um, you know, he was generous. Um, I hope you get to have Jay on the show because he has a great story about Ethan's generosity uh, that I won't spoil here, but uh, teaser for another another episode of the show here. Um, but um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I said it a minute ago, but he kind of had this Jack Black kind of energy, just this ball of energy and laughter and fun and uh, and he was, you know, I guess one thing that I haven't said is he was also highly intelligent. Oh, yeah. um, Sure. which I, I glanced over he was highly highly intelligent you know um and really into astronomy and so we would you know we would send each other articles about you know different you know sp space discoveries and things like that and, and you know i would if i saw something i, I would always be the next time i saw him, i'd be like ethan da, 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 did you see this and would be like oh yeah you know um Ah, but I digress. Uh, if I'm, I'm trying to describe Ethan as someone who, who never met him. Um, yes, kind, compassionate, loving, talented, highly intelligent. Um, so yes, he is, he is as good as everybody said he was. You know? <laughs> Pretty obvious, man. <laughs> uh, but getting yeah. to the astronomy yeah. thing real quick, uh, I have a bunch, tons yeah. of stories here. You kind of got me into that. But I've been looking at these recent images that are coming from these new universes that are being discovered. And every time yeah. I see them, I'm just like, man, I wish Ethan could have seen this because they're so amazing and spectacular and just mind-boggling to think that that's out there, you know. And I wonder what he would, what yep. his take would have been on. I know I would have been stoked about it, you know. Yeah, but, he would have. Anyway. Yeah, I think if, I think of him mostly on my way home from a gig. You know, it's like the stories from the gig was always, you know, something that Ethan would appreciate, and he would <laughs> tell me the same. You know, so it's like. Yeah, or you know, when I'm at a gig and something happens, I'm like, oh, I wish Ethan was here. I could tell him about this right now. He would. I, he was so good at, so good at telling stories, dude. We could do a whole podcast just on the stories that Ethan told people. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember a bunch of stories, of, especially of musicians he'd play with who were so so or kind of out there, you know. <laughs> but he yeah. played with them anyways. Yeah. Like he didn't care. He'd still jam with them. But. Anyway, Matt, dude, well, dude, I can tell that we're going to have to have another conversation, and I look forward to doing that soon. Yeah. You know, once we... Wow, uh, we, did, we did a lot of time here. That was that went by fast, yeah. We did, man. Yeah, anytime I'm talking yeah. about Ethan, it's like the, the minutes just kind of melt away, you know? And I get, you know, this, this whole project is a little bit selfish for me because it gives me an excuse to just sit back and listen about him, you know? Yeah. It, and to see him through other people's eyes is just amazing to me. And I appreciate you being here to help me kind of see how you saw him. So thank you. Well, and likewise, I, I, yeah, I appreciate you, you know, having me and I appreciate you doing this because, you know, I feel like I didn't really have a chance to grieve for Ethan, you know, to get together with friends. It was COVID, you know, and it was like everybody right. was still kind of dispersed and locked down. And so it's like, you know, he came and went and, I, you know, I just, I feel like I didn't get a chance to really like, grief for him or celebrate him and so this is kind of a, uh, a way for me to do that so i really appreciate uh, what you're doing here 
thanks for sharing those words, man. That's part of my goal for this, yeah. you know, is to kind of heal and just know that he's still up there chuckling at us. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. He definitely is. All right, Matt. Well, you have a good night, man. And uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. Likewise, Chris. Thanks. All right. Take care. that was a great conversation for me with Matt. And once again, I'm reminded of just how special and uh, kind Ethan was to all of his friends and bandmates. If you'd like to keep up with Matthew and JTM3, uh, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, please make sure that you join me next week when I'll be speaking to Todd Miller, who was uh, a bandmate of Ethan's and also for many years shared an acoustic duo with him as well. I'd like to leave you today with a song called For the Record, which was written by Matt and recorded by his band JTM3 and features him on lead vocals. Thanks for joining and we'll see you soon. And if I